Thank you for tuning in to the Pink Cloud Podcast. This year has been full of uncertainty. Every day it seems like another obstacle appears in front of us. If you are a recovering addict like me, the very foundation of the 12 steps that we have relied on have been stripped from us. When there are no meetings to make, how do we make it? What if there was an alternative to the 12-step method? If you are struggling to get clean, to stay clean, if you are complacent in your recovery, if you are just unhappy with your life, there is hope. How can small actions change your life? These small actions can bring you a sense of pride and accomplishment to turn these small actions into life-changing goals. You don't need to stay clean forever. You don't need to focus on the future, but I need you to stay clean right now. Are you going to let the events of this year define you? We all have things happen to us. We lose our jobs, we lose loved ones, life happens. Do we run to our habits, drugs, alcohol, food, sex, or do we adapt? Take action and find your own path. We don't have to fit into the box of recovery or life. You don't have to be a part of the stigma. You don't have to be a statistic. You can be your champion. Fight for yourself. Invest in yourself. Be your hero. Write your story. This is my story. Hello, family. My name is John F. I am an individual in long-term recovery from the disease of addiction with almost eight years clean. I am writing to you today to discuss one of the most difficult times in my early recovery in the hopes that it can shed some light for some on how to stay clean, even through what seems like the darkest of times. This is not to glorify myself or any institutions, but rather to possibly give someone who reads this some hope, as in my style, I will just hit the ground running. My clean date is January 2nd, 2013. I went through treatment in Winchester, Virginia, where I currently reside, then had to turn myself into jail for a year. Upon release, things were frightening. I was on felony probation and probation in general for the first time in my life. To say I didn't know which way was up would be putting it lightly. I felt I was useless and couldn't help anyone, all with about 10 to 12 months clean. Around 15 months clean or so, I met a young man named Brent. He was 23, full of life, and had a heart twice the size of the country. He was loving, giving, and selfless in his never-ending acts of love, empathy, and kindness. Within a week of me entering the facility, Brent asked me to sponsor him, and I gladly accepted. We started a beautiful, lifelong journey down the road to recovery. Over the ensuing months, Brent and I became closer. While in treatment, I would stop by to visit and talk with him on my breaks from working doubles at a local restaurant. When he was able to go out during the week or on the weekends for an extended period of time, we would meet up for coffee or to catch up and touch base. He took suggestions, stayed out of romantic relationships, got a home group, and was doing well. He even got an early recovery job working no more than 40 hours per week at my suggestion and moved into a sober living environment to further his recovery post-treatment. Around nine months into my sponsoring him, he switched sponsors to a dear friend in the program. 
He continued to work steps and it seemed like things were going well. However, I knew something was up when he said that he lost his job at a local factory and asked me to get him an interview at the restaurant. It wasn't my style to do that for people in recovery, as I had recently been burned, but I obliged nonetheless. Within a month of working with me, he seemed different. He swore up and down that he wasn't using again, but his moods were erratic and the hope had left his eyes. Something was off, but I could neither get him to admit nor put my finger on it either. Still, he was doing about as best as he could regardless of what he was going through. And then, it all came crashing down. I awoke one Saturday morning in early June to receive a text message from his father, John, a retired army ranger and stern individual. I had never seen or heard John express any emotion other than disappointment and anger, but something seemed different. I sensed something in that text message, in the ether. I remember vividly that Father's Day was four days away. I called, and it rang twice. When he picked up the phone, all I heard was a sob. John, he said through his tears. Brent's dad, he passed away. It was an overdose. I don't know what to do, he said, and then started sobbing. All the air went out of the room. This guy was like my little brother. I was 28 to his 23 years of age. We did everything together and he was gone. I gave John the best advice possible, which was to feel the grief but not let it consume him. Then told him to let me know when his services would be. He said he would let me know. We told each other we loved each other and he told me he'd kick my ass if I ever got high again and died like Brent. We laughed half-heartedly and said we'd be in touch. Over the next month, it was rough. I went to the viewing sobbing the entire way there and back. This was someone that I had known was going to stay clean. His mother had looked me in the eyes and said, thank you for giving us our son back. And now he was gone, never to get married, never to have a family or be the father he was meant to be. And I grieved hard for the life he would have had. I went to the viewing, but I couldn't bear myself to go to the funeral. I was just numb and raw. I felt like using every single day for the next month. Then the feelings came back. I was angry that he thought his life was so useless or immaterial that if he died, it wouldn't affect people. That such acts as an overdose and death were inconsequential in the grand scheme of things. I was hurt and I couldn't hug my friend and tell him I loved him one more time. I was afraid of using and of feeling the feelings I hadn't touched since my parents had passed away four years prior. But I knew that if I used, my problems would have some pretty messed up puppies and I already had a litter. If I didn't want to use, and if using was to die, then what was there left to do? I called my sponsor every single day. I leaned on my network of strong people in recovery. I went to meetings, worked the steps, and kept helping people, especially the new people and especially in spite of the fear that they might meet the same grave fate as Brent. And in time, I healed. I never forgot Brent, and he's never far from my thoughts. I've cried while writing this several times as I have not thought of the chain of events that solidified that I want to be clean and do not want to die for a very long time. Here's the rub. An addict, any addict, can lose the desire to use and find a new way to live. If the only requirement for membership is a desire, then no addict seeking recovery need ever die. There are no lost causes, there are no hopeless cases. Hope stands for hold on pain ends. And if you can't hold on, let us in the fellowship, us who have struggled like you, carry and help you. It's what we're here for. I am alive, I am clean, because people in 12-step fellowship 
stoked the fire of life inside of me rather than fanning the flame of death which sought to destroy me. So chin up, it's been down for way too long. And if nobody told you they love you today, I love you. In loving service, John F. Thank you, John F., for the heartbreaking and hopeful story. John gives a lot of good insight on how he made it through his traumatic time. He took suggestions, he went to meetings, he did everything the foundation of the 12 steps teaches you to do. But what about now, during COVID-19, when you don't have a meeting to make? That human connection, when everyone is going through just as much as you are, and they don't have time for you. Start with small actions. When you are struggling, when you want to get high, your first action of the day could, could be to let your feet hit the floor. Then you brush your teeth. Then you have breakfast. All of the sudden, you have completed three actions and your day is off and running. Do this every day. Take these actions and make them into bigger and bigger actions. Now we stop dreaming and we start doing. The light gets bigger and hope appears. As John F. said, hold on, pain ends. If you want your story featured on Pink Cloud Podcast, please reach out to us on Instagram. Today on the Pink Cloud Podcast, music therapist and founder of A Place to Be, Tom Schweitzer. Music therapy, I think, is, could be huge for recovery. Um, just a 12-step process, there's more to that, right? There's more. That doesn't work for everybody. As I've created this thing I'm calling action-oriented recovery. Mm-hmm. How can small actions change your life, right? We don't need to worry about staying clean for a week or for a day. Right. You don't need to worry about getting a new job tomorrow. How can you change your life in the next minute to get you to where you need to be. And then you don't have to focus on the future. That's the only way. And especially in, I just wrote something on Facebook today um, about how, you know, I was, I've been talking to so many people that feel like we're living in a surreal world. We are living in a surreal world. This is why we feel like we wake up every day and we're like in the middle of a movie that we paid to get into and we don't want to, you know. And you couldn't, you couldn't build a plot in a script like the one that's going on around us in every direction. So like today I wrote something on Facebook about if you want to help get rid of the surreal in your life, really try to focus on the real. And if that is going to your garden or planting or calling somebody who needs some love, cooking, and I know that we overhear, and I know in the 12-step program too, you hear this word self-care, self-care, self-care. Well, I think there's something called life care. And I think that we, we have to go into life care, meaning it's everything. Yes, it is the breathing. Yes, it is the yoga. Yes, it is the, um, you know, working out like you, you and I, I do Zumba and you, yeah. you know, like whatever it takes to get, yep. get out of your system. You have to get, you have to get moving. You have to get your air moving and you have to breathe. And it's really interesting. You said something about the 12 steps, which thank God addiction kind of um you know it skipped my generation and mm-hmm. you know my story yes. my dad was also a um a alcoholic but two things here one in quarantine and those first two or three months and i know i'm not the only one 
A person who usually could drink one glass of wine a night went to two, went to three, and and until I went into you know when I when I caught COVID, you just stopped drinking and it felt so good. Not that I was you know I could. You know, that isn't that the thing you always hear? Oh, I could stop at any time. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really realize until I'm in a hospital bed, in, at, you know, with COVID, not that I feel like I had a problem, but I was like, my God, you really started to drink two to three glasses a night and every night. And that's because of anxiety. That's because we don't know what tomorrow brings or we know what tomorrow brings like Groundhog's Day. Yeah, exactly. And we don't know how to manage those feelings and and I think that's one of the interesting things with music therapy. And, you know, I was watching your TED talk last night before we spoke today. And you said, you know, the root of your trauma really and, and wanting to be a music therapist dates back to eight years old. It's that early childhood trauma that leads to everything. And it's just like addiction. The underlying cause is that early trauma that we mask, like my mom dying, you know, right? 13 years exactly. later. And how long do you keep that suppressed, right? Uh, and, and it is, it's, it's really, you know, birth through three, they say is, you know, the most influential time. But our childhood, in the 80s, there was this whole like, I'm okay, you're okay. Oh, what was it? Your inner child. You yeah. know, now we know that actually that is true. Yep. <laughs> we, are, we are nothing more than the child we were and we're just trying to get along in life. And being raised by somebody who is an addict and you know i always had this it's funny i can drink a beer once in a while but you know for the longest time boomer when i smelled beer i just smelled my dad's breath yep you know i just sense memory time, yeah yeah and it brought this well it brings everything back and you know thank god 12 steps helped him he had the most beautiful last 14 years of his life he could be around anybody they're having champagne they're having Oh, your dad and my dad were like peas in a pod. <laughs> they really were. Absolutely. They were so similar. Yep. And thank God they found that part of their li life toward yeah. the end of their life because they could feel how, how you know, real living feels. Because real living is not being, you know, drinking substance constantly. So you're just sort of, um, you know, you're, you're uh, what is that called? Um, See, I have COVID head. Yeah, no, it's all right. It's all right. I'm, I'm missing words. I'm just um, glad you're still with us, you know? Numbing, numbing. Numbing, yep, numbing. And, and something I wanted to say, you were talking about the 12 steps. What's really interesting, and maybe this is something you and I could work on together. There are music therapists out there, you know, that do clinical work in the Karen Institute, uh, you know, work with people with addiction. Yep. I'm doing this new program and next week I'll be pre um, presenting it on Zoom to executives at Capital One. And it's actually called uh, the 12 notes of oh. uh, the power of 12 notes because there's 12 notes between an octave. Yep. And so I go through each, each like minor second, major second, and then I kind of talk about what that sound makes you feel emotionally mm -hmm. and how music manipulates you. I bet you there would be some really cool way you and I should talk about how do you take the 12 steps and the 12 notes and kind of merge that together? Well, no, I mean, I definitely think that there is something there because, you know, the whole way that this podcast started is I always had this dream of like uh, when I got clean and found cycling of having a, a recovery fitness center. And I came up with this thing that was called a recovery ride. And it was mm. 60 minutes, 12 songs. 
in class, one for each step. And the drill and the music and the tone correlates with each step and what you're feeling. Right. And it's the same type of thing, you know? How really? does this make you feel, you know? Yeah, because you honed that in. Yeah, because... You know? You have something to... solid for them to hold on to. The 12 steps is something for people to hold on to. We need, the whole world right now needs 12 steps. Yes. And I think what you created there, and I watched some of your videos, I mean, your, your inspiration on that, mic, on that bike and how people are connecting to it. You know, I've been clean three and a half years, and I spent the first two and a half years working tirelessly on my mind, or I'm sorry, on my body, and just yeah. this physical transformation because I didn't know what to do with my time and I just needed something. And then COVID happened and I didn't get a chance to work on my body, my mind and my spirit. The body part went out of it. So I got to see what my mind could do for the first wow. time since I was 18. And I've got realistic um, goals, right? I don't have dreams anymore. I have realistic goals. Yeah, realistic dream goals are part yep. Because I think what starts to happen, and you know many people like this too, I, I have, and I don't mean this negatively, but a lot of people I call half dreamers, meaning they just talk and talk and talk about yeah. these dreams that are not attainable. It is so much more, it's better to have tiny, small dreams that are attainable, even if you get like three out of eight. Yeah. It's it something that you can reach for, you can connect with. And watching you, you are so in a place. I, I know. And it's like, uh, it's like every day it's, it's more and more getting there. And yeah. it's, it, it's crazy because I never thought, you know, I, like when I left Virginia, I was like, I'm never coming back. And now it's like, okay, I'm finishing school. I'm going to get my degree to be a uh, recovery specialist. And then I'm coming back to Virginia and I'm going to do something, you know? Wow. Well, to, let me know when that happens. Yeah. And you know that you are like the timing in the world right now for healthcare and recovery and addiction and therapy is like starting in 2021, it's gonna be what everybody's gonna be going to for the next many years to come. My name is Boomer Rose, creator, host of the Pink Cloud Podcast. Thank you for joining me on our first episode today. I know that the topic of addiction and recovery isn't the most lighthearted subject. The highs and the lows, the trauma, the intense happiness. It's a wild ride. And it's not easy. But I promise you, it's worth it. I wish that I could sit here and tell you that I have all the answers, that I have a magic pill that I could give you. But to be honest, I don't have any answers. All that I can bring you is my experience, strength, and hope. My authentic self to share with you how I stay clean on a daily basis through this never-ending storm of life. Sometimes to be selfless, you have to be selfish. So do something for yourself. Read your favorite book, listen to your favorite song, take a nap, fill yourself with more of what makes you happy. And that happiness will radiate to those in your circle. Seven days a week, 365 days a year. Take time for you. You know, in the program, we always say, just for today, because today is all we have. But what are you doing today to make yourself the best version of you for tomorrow? Because I wanna give you tomorrow. I wanna give myself tomorrow. I wanna give my son tomorrow. 
So what are you doing for all the tomorrows? My beautiful creatures, it is time. Make your playlist. In a world where we are begging for human connection, let music be our guide. It can take us to the lowest of lows or the highest of highs, all while sitting in our chair. Check our Instagram, Pink Cloud Podcast, every day for our song of the day and on Mondays for my playlist of the week. Hashtag make your playlist. August 2020. If you are like so many sitting there wondering where this year went, I challenge you today to be more, to do something different, to challenge yourself, to believe in yourself, to love yourself, be honest with yourself. I can't do these things for you. But I promise you that you have all the power and capability to do these things for yourself. Start with one action. It can be small, but check it off. Then move to the next. Then slowly, one after another, the feeling of accomplishment, a self-praise that you may have never felt before. Let this month be the month that can change your year. If 2020 has taught us anything, the only thing that we can rely on and be sure of is ourselves. So for this month, every day, be your hero. Wake up, look in that mirror, and tell yourself, you love yourself, you believe yourself, you are proud of yourself, and the future is infinite. If no one told you that they love you, that they miss you, that they're proud of you today, I am all of those things for you. Until next time, this was the Pink Cloud Podcast. Oh baby, why can't you see that I can't just I'm mm-hmm.